Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. As I mentioned before, today is uh, Legacy Sunday, an exciting day in our yearly calendar. And so uh, Rachel and I are going to split the message up a bit and speak about uh, the vision and the influence that we believe God has for us as a church together and the impact and the influence that God has called you to have in your specific area, whether that's in your home, that's in your workplace, school, university, sporting club, dance, school, social groups, where being interactive bingo club, wherever, wherever you hang out, uh, we believe God has called you to uh, make a difference wherever you are. And as a, as a church, we have a vision uh, to make a mark, to leave a legacy, to multiply healthy local churches. And as we've been saying over this whole month of legacy, we've been using, uh, using this line that says, legacy is less about what we leave for people and more about what we leave in people. So it's less about what we leave for people, even though leaving a uh, godly you know, financial inheritance to our children's children is, is a biblical principle, but more so than that, it's about what we leave uh, in, in people. And so I'm not sure if it's um, just because I've turned 40 and so feeling a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit old and like, you know, creaky, no, but reflecting, reflecting back a bit um, on my journey of following Jesus over uh, a number of years and thinking about those, you know, those key pivotal moments when I encountered God or, or you know, made, a, made a decision to, to follow Him or even just got to one of those, you know, we get to one of those forks in the road uh, sometimes. We're like, okay, am I going to follow the way that God is leading me down here, or am I going to go the world's way, or my own way, or this way, or, you know, such and such. I'm sure many of us have found ourselves at, at forks in the road like that. But anyway, for me, um, a key moment of encounter um, with God was when I was about uh, 15 or so, and I, I was struggling with being a Christian and then being very different to uh, with my school friends, how I was everywhere else. So uh, I knew that I knew that God was real. I had had encounters with God earlier uh, at an earlier age, but just that. Um, yeah, self-confidence and that God confidence to go, no, I'm going to serve God no matter which way uh, my friends are going. And so it was, was really wrestling with that. And it, and it happened that there was a, uh, a men's camp uh, coming up in our area. It was a few of our, so INC, International Network of Churches, the denomination uh, that we're a part of, that, that I've been a part of personally since I was nine, ten years, ten years old. But I remember there was this men's camp coming up um, and, um, and, and, you know, so I, so I went on this men's camp. I was about 15. And um, sorry, this is a bit of a church joke, so if you don't get it, it's okay. But it was, um, uh, it was, it was, I was 15, so it was the late 90s. It was like a Pentecostal men's youth camp, so a little bit, you know, a little bit strange, a little bit weird. If I can illustrate it with a meme, I think this one would sort of uh, sum it up pretty well. I love the Baptist, by the way, but I also love this. When a Pentecostal visits a Baptist church... So that's that's sort of you know we were we were we were big bird right that's that's sort of like how it how it, how it got how it got summed up right but but one of those nights one of those nights you, you can probably take that down now otherwise people just look at big bird not listen to anything I say 
Um, one of those, one, one of those nights, that's the end of the service, right? We're ending with Big Bird, it's done, no, done. But one of those nights of that camp, um, in the ministry time, I, I went forward for prayer, and worship was going on, and, and God was moving, and uh, someone prayed for me, and I fell over, and, and I just lay on the floor, and, and I felt the presence of God like never before. I can still picture that piece of floor at the Morissette WEC campsite, which is uh, New, you know, over, over New South Wales. Morissette's not exactly where you go to, to holiday or anything like that. So it was just this campsite that we, that, that we were there. Um, and, and I just remember being out on the floor, eyes closed, hands up, experiencing the, the glory and the praise of God in such a significant way. Now, as I said, this, this was a significant encounter with God uh, for me that I can still remember. But I, I, I want to just, um, I, I just rewind for a second a couple of weeks before that encounter because the reason I was there was because of a man named Jim Smith. Now, it sounds like I've changed his name to protect his identity, but I haven't. His name was actually Jim Smith. You know, it's like the poor person whose name's John Citizen. You know, no, no, that, that, was, that was his name. He was an older uh, gentleman in our church. He's passed away a number of years ago now. But, but he paid for my men's camp registration fee. Uh, I wouldn't have been there if he didn't, if he didn't pay for it. Now, I, I'm not sure if he knew he was doing something significant at the time. I, I'm sure he probably didn't think um, that I'd be preaching about it 25 years later on the opposite side, side, of, side of the country. But what he knew is that God had obviously spoken to him or encouraged him or maybe he just thought it was a, was a good idea and went, oh, I, I think I'll pray for this, for this, pray and pay for this guy's um, camp fee. He was probably simply being obedient to what God had asked of him. And so because of his generosity, like, like we're talking about in this whole legacy deal, something was left in my life, an encounter with God. Jim obeyed by giving, and then God took that seed and used it to bring phenomenal change in my life personally. And, you know, the Bible talks a lot about this idea of seed, this idea that um, we don't play the whole part, but we do play a part. That God looks uh, around the earth for who He can move on, for, for who's stepping out in faith, who's, who's obeying Him. Then He's like, okay, right in that, right in that spot there. That's where, that's where I can just come and, and feel my presence and my power you know, over, over people's life. But this is what the Bible says in, in one of the passages about giving and about how uh, God uses seed. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians 9, uh, from verse 10 and 11. Just before I read it, just, just so you know the context, here, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's writing uh, this, this passage of Scripture, he's writing it to a church in a city called Corinth, and he's speaking about a specific offering that they're receiving for the church in Jerusalem. And earlier in this chapter, Paul has praised this church at Corinth, saying that he knows about their generosity. Not only that, that their generosity has actually inspired another church in Macedonia to be part of this offering and to give. But so, so there's the context. This is what it says, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11. It says this, Now he who supplies, talking about God, seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase 
your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched every way so that you can buy Maseratis and boats. And, oh, no, sorry. Let, let, me, let me do that again. You will be enriched in every way. Here's the purpose why. Uh, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving Amen. to God. Amen. You see, Jim, through his giving, left a legacy in my life. As I said, he obviously heard from God or thought it was a good idea and it was actually God planting the seed there. And then he had the courage to, to step out, follow the leading and the calling of God and sow a seed into my life. And, and I want to encourage you that as a church, as we come to legacy, as we come to our legacy offering above and beyond, beyond our tithes, is that that is what we're doing when we give to legacy. We are planting and we are sowing seeds. It's more than just the practical things that the money goes towards, because obviously, as Jim, you know, gave for my camp fee, um, that, that, you know, that money went, went towards things like, you know, accommodation and food and activities and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was a practical element of what it did. But also beyond that, there is a spiritual dynamic in there that uh, I see that unlocks something for God to move in my life, there was a, a supernatural sorry, part of it that God used to influence my life. And that's, that's like our word for the year as a church, which you will get sick of me hearing. And on December 31st, you'll be you know, celebrating, popping the poppers and saying, thank goodness we don't have to hear Marty talk about influence and Zechariah 4.6 again. But until that date, we're going hard with it. Okay, Zechariah 4.6, which says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord, or says the Lord of hosts. We are believing that as we give as a church, spirit-infused influence will flow into every area. It'll flow into every area. And so what, what I want to do now is just briefly, because I know we've touched on this before, but I just find sometimes we don't hear the first time, so you know, repetition is, is helpful. So uh, I want to touch on the six areas of influence that, uh, that legacy is going to be uh, pouring into. I'm going to do that really quick, and then Rachel's going to come and inspire us from the Word of God, and that will be amazing. So um, let's, let's get into it. So we're believing, like I said, as a church, as we give, Spirit-infused influence will flow into every area. That uh, a legacy money that, that we're giving and that we've been seeking God for where, where it's going to go, these are the areas that we believe that God has called us to influence as a church. So the first one you'll see on the screen behind me is a community quick fit. So uh, as I announced last week, we're going to be partnering with WA Mums Cottage to uh, make an impact in the city of Mandra. And so in terms of our goal, we have an overall goal of $71,000 to be given over the next 12 months in this legacy offering. And so we'll be, we'll be apportioning uh, 30000 to sow into WA Mums Cottage. As we've talked about before, we feel that God has gifted it as a church to, to get things done to create a project plan, to mobilize people to work hard, to solve problems, to use plenty of gaff tape and zip ties, if that's what it takes, to, 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 get, something, to get something to work and to, and to make it work. And so uh, WA Mums Cottage is a place that creates a, uh, a safe place of respite for, for women and children that are in vulnerable uh, situations. And so practically, we'll be working with them on a plan to you know, upgrade some facilities, create some spaces, there'll be some physical work. Uh, 
work to do on their premises as well. And so obviously that's timber and paint, it's hardware, it's time, it's effort, it's energy, it's paying contractors for things that we can't do, all that, all that sort of stuff. But remember, like I said with Jim's giving to me or you know, making a way for me in the camp, there's, there's a spiritual dynamic to this as well. You see, I wonder how God will use this to speak to women and children's hearts. Maybe they've been in a, in a place, in a space where they felt like no one's cared or that, uh, that, that no one is interested in them, but through Mum's Cottage they'll find hope and love and support. You know, maybe there's even volunteers and workers uh, in that place that are tired and weary, that they're wondering if, if, if their hard work is actually doing anything, if it's making an impact and influence. And maybe God will use our seed that we sow and how we partner and support them just to lift up their hands and go, you know what, people are cheering you on. People think you're doing an amazing job in Mandra. And as a church, we get to sow a seed that, that we believe is going to bring great impact and great influence through that area, which is, which is amazing. Our second area is our, our produ- produ- sorry let me slow down cuz i'm excited deep breath okay production upgrades and so our mission statement as a church is that we create environments that inspire intimacy with Christ relationship with others and influence in our world in our sunday service we services we are creating an environment for people to encounter God through music through lighting through design through creativity but also We're creating an environment for people to use their spiritual gifts, their natural abilities in those those areas. And so while practically the finances will go towards things like a new keyboard, a drum screen, acoustic panels, some lighting, like that, that sort of stuff, I wonder once again how God will use this equipment to activate people in their calling. You know, there could be a 12-year-old worship leader sitting right here who doesn't know it yet. There could be some artists and designers that God wants to use in this place and wants to inspire them in the church to make a difference in the creative industries of the world, bringing you know, light and hope in the name of Jesus to people through their anointed creativity. I wonder how God will use this seed to make a difference in, in people's lives. What could grow out of this seed as we sow into our production areas. Uh, the next couple of areas is Elevation Youth and Elevation Kids. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be contributing 5000 to each of those. And as we talked about a number of times and Chris mentioned uh, already, we're going to be launching a youth camp in 2023. And um, I already shared my story about how a camp has impacted my life. But the money will help to ensure a camp has great activities and is amazing and fun. But I wonder once again... I wonder once again how many young people's lives will be set on fire through the power of God because of the environment that we create through our giving. Same with our, same with our kids. As, as we resource and, and upgrade our facilities in our Elevation Kids area, I wonder how many kids will just hear that whisper of the Holy Spirit that speaks to them about a plan and a purpose that he has for their lives. I wonder what child will, will be praising God and suddenly just in them feel like the love and this sense of God. And, and they won't be able to describe it because maybe they're only eight years old or whatever, but God's going to sow seeds into people's lives, into children's lives, because as a church we've created an environment through our giving and through our generosity. 
two more and then you get to listen to Rachel. Our next one is um, our staff development. So we're going to be sewing $10,000 into our staff team, which is mostly filled with volunteers, people that go above and beyond just their you know, regular, uh, normal jobs to serve the church and to serve the house in a powerful way. And so practically the money will pay for conferences and training and some travel so that we can gather together with other uh, locations in elevation and be inspired. But once again, we're believing for the supernatural power of God over people's lives, that it will be on our team, that the, that the team will grow, that will dream bigger, that will see many people once again released into their gifts and callings. And the final area we're sowing into is the Solomon Islands. So our denomination has a Bible college on Balasuna Island. And so it costs $1,000, that's all, to train a pastor for 12 months. And so uh, our goal is to sponsor five pastors, so $5,000 into the Solomons. Why? Because we believe in planting churches. We believe in making a difference. You only have to turn on the news and realize the um, strategic nature of the Solomon Islands, not going to politics at the moment. But you know what we are called to do? We are called to make a difference in every area of the world. And the great thing is, maybe you will get to go to Solomon's. We'll probably down the track do some missions trip and you'll get to see that uh, Bible college. But maybe you won't. But you know what? Our sowing and our giving can go to that place to make a difference. And so we are expectant for God to move mightily through our lives. And so, so today, Rachel's going to come. She's going she's to inspire us with the, wor- with the Word of God. And um, I'll let her explain that down there. And then we're going to come back uh, and pray together, which will be awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. What a powerful morning. What a powerful morning. So there's many parts to the body of Christ. And we all play a part. We're all a part of the puzzle. We're all a part of a piece. And just like a puzzle, each part is important. Have you ever bought a puzzle and you've taken it home and you've set it up? Maybe you've bought it from the second hand shop or maybe there was a fault, but you've got the puzzle and you've nearly completed it and there's one piece missing. Oh, the frustration that occurs when you haven't able to complete that puzzle piece. But each person here today plays an important part in completing this puzzle. And that's what we're going to look at today is a, a person in the Bible and the part that she played, her faith and her journey. So let's quickly turn to Matthew 1 verse 1 to 17. And here we go. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Am- Amadadab, Amadadab the father of Nashan, Nashan the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of King David and so on and so on and so on. I will stop there otherwise we'll keep on going. But each person mentioned, every single person's name mentioned there plays an important piece in the puzzle. But there's one person I want to look at and her name is Rahab. So let's quickly look at Joshua 2 verse 1 to 14 and I'm just going to recap it right now. But this woman Rahab was a Canaanite who lived in Jericho. She was a harlot and Joshua who was the leader um, had been told like they're conquering the land and they were there to scope out the land. So Joshua sent two spies to go and investigate and to have a look around. So two spies went into Jericho looking in the land and as they were there they came upon and lodged at Rahab's place. 
Now the king knew of these two spies, these Israelites that had come in, and he sent out a search party. He sent out a search party because he didn't want these Israelites to come in. But Rahab was a woman who had heard the stories of God. He had heard the stories of um, the Red Sea Sea being parted, but she had heard of what this God was doing. Now this woman hid these two Israelites up in the roof under the straws of flax. Now the king's people, they came and they demanded, like, where are these men? The search party were out, like, where are these men? And this woman... She basically lied, but she said, yes, I've heard of these men and they were here, but now they have departed. And then off those um, king's people went and on search for these Israelites. But this woman, and I think her response to the men was they, before they came down from the, the rooftop, she said to them, verse 9, I heard that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Verse 10, for we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Therefore, I beg you to swear by the Lord since I have shown kindness to you that you will show kindness to my father's household and give me a true token." So if you know about Jericho and the story of it, you may have heard it at Sunday school, but Jericho was where the, um, the Israelites walked around six days, every single day, and then on the seventh day, they walked around in silence like they had done, and then on the seventh turn, when they were walking around, the, kings, um, the priests blew their trumpets, and then on the seventh time, the Israelites all let out a sound of praise. They let out of sound of praise. And that's what I was feeling this morning when we were singing. There was a sound of praise that was coming in this place. Can we give a sound of praise right now to our God for the miracles that he is doing? Because we praise our living God. So this woman was living in Jericho who had heard of this God. Now this woman had a strong faith. And she had a faith in God and she walked in faith and she walked in obedience. Because when we walk in faith, point number one, it influences. Rahab saved her entire family from destruction. She influenced her family. She influenced the spies and the messengers. She influenced history. This woman took a risk and it was a mighty big risk. And sometimes God asks of us to take a risk, and it's a big risk. And it's a risk that feels like it's going against the grain of this culture and a grain against this world. But when we have a faith and a confidence in God, we take the risk. I know for me, when I was living in Port Macquarie, I was single at the time, I was working full-time. It was in a childcare centre at that time and it was just literally down the road from where I lived. It was a great centre. I loved it. Great people to work with. But when I was there, I really felt God asked me to um, give a day up and go from full-time to part-time to serve in my local church, Coastside Church. Um, And for me, I was like, yeah, this is exciting because I loved the church and I was part of the youth ministry there. And I went to my boss and I said to her, I said, "Um, I'd like to go from um, full-time to part-time because I'd like to serve in my local church. 
She said no. And I was a bit like taken back and obviously, um, obviously you have to have staff. But for me, I was like, no, I know this is what God's spoken to me. So I went and looked for another job. I found a job. I went for an interview. It was outside of town, so there was a bit of a uh, distance that I had to travel. And I got the job. And then I went back to my boss and I said, um, here's my resignation. Um, I've got another job. Thank you for all that you've done for me. But in that moment, she had a change of heart. And I ended up staying with that um, organisation and was able to give my time to the church. It was a risk. Yes, it was. Did it make sense to my workplace? No, it did not make sense to my workplace. Would it play and impact my bank account? Yes, but I actually believe no. Was it an unusual request to them? Yes, it was. Was I being obedient to God? Yes. And that's what God looks for, is our obedience. It's not what we leave for people, but it's what we leave in people. Rahab's faith changed human history. Now, what would have happened if Rahab had chosen to obey her king of Jericho instead of taking and following God? and being obedient to him. Quick answer is, well, God could have worked it out another way. Maybe this is correct and we will never know. But this woman, she seized her opportunity and stepped out in faith. This woman had heard about this great God, this miracle working God, and she stepped out. And in her moment of faith, history was changed. Matthew 1 verse 5, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And it went all the way through to King, ja to King David, to Joseph and Virgin Mary, of whom Jesus Christ was born. How exciting is that? The history was changed because of her stand and faith in obedience to God. Point number two, what are you throwing out in faith? Rahab threw out a cord, hopefully a lot more stronger than this one. But she threw out a cord. This is all that she had. The Israelites had spoken to her and said, okay, when we, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get back to our camp, to our tribe. But throw out this cord. And as you throw it out, they climbed out the window and for their herself to be saved and her family to be saved, he said, okay, I want you to throw out this cord, make sure all your household is in, this, in your home and when the walls come down, your one won't fall. Your family will be saved because we can see what you have thrown out. Now, this woman, Rahab, she just went by the... Um, she just had to put her trust in the words that these men had spoken. She'd only just met them, like that encounter with them. Like she'd only just met them. But what am I asking of you today is, or God is asking of you today, what are you throwing out? What's in your hand that God has given you? And in faith, that's what she did. In faith, she threw out this cord knowing that God would come through. We may not see the fruit of this immediately. 
Now, it wasn't for a few chapters until the walls actually came down. So in that time, she could have been like, oh, like, I threw this cord out. Like, what's going on? Like, if you read the Bible, there was the, they all had to cross the Jordan River and then, then there was the memorial stones and then the walls came down. So what was the time span? I don't exactly know. But she would have had to remain strong in her promises of what these Israelites had spoken to her. And God might be in this place that he's spoken to you some promises. But can I encourage you, throw out what God has given you and cling holding on to the promises and the words that God has spoken because God comes through and I believe that he comes through it may not be the way that we see or imagine but God comes through so today can we throw out a cord in faith what is God asking of you maybe God is asking you to take a leap of faith a leap of faith and yes today we're talking about finances but maybe that is a big leap of faith for you as you're trusting in him and as you're sowing a seed into the future maybe you're in this room and you don't know God yet maybe he's asking you to invite him into your heart and make him Lord and Saviour Maybe God's asking you to go against the culture of this world where the world and opinions are saying this, but God wants you to stand up and be a voice in your workplace and in your school environments and say, yes, I'm throwing out a cord today and I'm standing strong in what I have heard of my great God. Maybe God is asking you to deny yourself and what your plans are and maybe deny some different comforts of this world and say yes to Him and be obedient to Him. Rahab's decision to save the spies created a legacy that would flow down through the generational line of Jesus Christ. She was a piece of the puzzle. Now this woman, Rahab, she makes it to the Hebrews Hall of Fame, a harlot. She was labelled that. But Hebrews 11.31, by faith the harlot, Rahab, did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. One person's faith can change and will change human history. You here today are a piece of the puzzle and today as you throw out what God has asked of you, I believe that history will be changed. The future will be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So good. Come on. Yeah. this morning we just got a, a couple of more things that we want to do but before we do that I'd love every head bowed and every eye closed in this place and uh, maybe maybe you're here and you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ before maybe you're hearing all this stuff about uh, legacy and uh, things that are going on and you're you're, you're thinking well uh, I don't know if I'm on board with this can I say the first step to take is uh, a step that says yes to Jesus Christ, that says yes to His love, that says yes to receiving Him as Lord and Savior. And so, right.